My name is Patricia Kathleen, and this podcast series will contain interviews I conduct with women, female-identified, and non-binary individuals regarding their professional stories and personal narrative as it relates to their perspective. This podcast is designed to hold a space for all individuals to learn from their counterparts, regardless of age, status, or industry. We intend to transparently investigate the evolving global dialogue regarding underrepresented figures in all industries across the USA and abroad. By hosting these stories and conversations, we aim to contribute to the changing platform and representation of these individuals for the future. If you are enjoying this podcast series, be sure to check out our subsequent series called Roundtable with Patricia Kathleen, where we talk with a panel of guests regarding key topics that arise in these individual interviews. You can subscribe to all of our podcast series on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean, as well as our website, patriciacathleen.com. You can also contact me directly via this website or through my media website, wild.agency. That's W-I-L-D-E dot agency. Thanks for listening. Now let's start the conversation. everyone and welcome back. I'm your host Patricia and today we are sitting down with Alyssa Atkins. Alyssa is the CEO of Lilia, an egg freezing concierge. You can find out more on www.hellolilia.com. That is hello L-I-L-I-A.com. Welcome Alyssa. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to chat. Me too. I'm really excited. So for everyone listening, I'm going to read a quick bio on Alyssa. But before I do that, a roadmap of today's podcast, we will first look at unpacking Alyssa's academic and early professional life and background in order to proffer a platform in which she came to her current position. And then we'll turn our attention towards unpacking Lilia. Um, we'll get into the, you know, the who, what, when, where, why, how of the organization. And then we'll also unpack the ethos behind it. Um, and then we'll look at the goals that Alyssa has for the next one to three years that has been changing for everyone um, and in the entire globe recently. And then we will also wrap up everything with advice that Alyssa may have for those of you looking to get involved, contact her regarding her expertise, perhaps emulate some of her career success. A quick bio on Alyssa. Alyssa is the founder and CEO of Lilia, an egg freezing um, concierge that helps women explore their fertility options. Lilia provides research and guidance, making it easy for women to decide whether to freeze their eggs or not, and then supports those who move forward. When Alyssa froze her eggs a few months ago, she threw the world's first ever egg securing celebration. Lilia wants more women like Alyssa to have the freedom of celebrating family planning according to their own timeline. Lilia has been featured in Forbes, The Globe, and Mail, Flair, and Flair Magazine, and is backed by some of Canada and Silicon Valley's most renowned investors. So Alyssa, I'm really excited to climb through. Uh, this podcast series has been going um, strong for two years with over 200 episodes, and you are the first um, founder of this particular industry that we've spoken to, and I cannot wait to unpack it. I find the issue and topic so crucial and the services as well. But before we get to that, I'm hoping you can kind of um, uh, unpack or describe briefly your academic background and early professional life that brought you to founding Lilia. Absolutely. So I went to school in Windsor, which is the same city that I grew up in. It's just a, a small Canadian city outside of uh, Detroit, just across the border. And uh, I guess my foray into entrepreneurship was when in university, in my second year, I started a window cleaning company. And so I, you know, you can imagine I was putting these 32 foot ladders on my dinky little car and driving an hour out to where the bigger houses were. And we'd clean windows all day and, um, you know, from 7 a.m. on. And at the end of the day, once we were finished, we would go knocking on doors, selling more window cleaning until we had filled the next day and, and week of jobs. And then I'd, you know, drive home, sunburnt and sweaty, and call and follow up all of my leads from, you know, the previous week you hadn't closed. So that's how I really got a taste of it and discovered this is for me. And so after my second year of university, I switched from criminology, I had wanted to be a lawyer, into business. And um, from there, I 
I moved to Toronto to participate in a program called the Next 36. So it's an entrepreneurship kind of boot camp or a, a academic institution, I guess, where they teach you the fundamentals of starting a business by doing. And the yes. emphasis there was on technology. And that's where I, you know, I was kind of became aware of the impact you could have with software and tech. Um, and so from there, you know, most of those businesses don't work. Mine did not. <laughs> and I uh, spent some time in my early career at a couple startups, one called Top Hat, um, which is re uh, redesigning what the classroom could look like, and CareGuide, which is a marketplace for care services. And I was the sixth person to join, very first marketing hire, and so helped grow the company from you know, very infant stages to post-Series A, uh, company and I'd say that's where I really cut my teeth in growth and hiring and developing people um, but I had the fire in my belly to start my own thing again and that's what brought me to Lilia. So what was the impetus for launching Lilia? I mean you have such a, a peppering of you know industries whether yeah. or not it was something you started from this kind of entrepreneurship boot camp or the companies you worked for, which I like this kind of um, tasting menu, mm -hmm. of different kinds of companies out there. But what was the impetus for this is such a specific mm -hmm. um, industry with Lilia? What was the impetus for it? Was it a long growing one or was it just mm -hmm. one day, one moment? You know, I say it's like I almost didn't choose Lilia. Lilia chose me. It pulled me in. It, it really didn't feel like a choice because with Lilia, I'm really solving my own problem. Um, and mm -hmm. I, I can give you the background on that if you like now. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, okay. So, it, you know, the history here is kind of, um, it had been a few years, I guess, building up. But again, it all, the stars kind of started to align and pull me in. But I had been in this 10-year-long relationship with my high school sweetheart that ended when I was 27. And I don't know what it is, by the way, but something happens at 27. I've spoken to hundreds of women now, you know, doing this research for Liliad. Something happens at 27. We all start to revisit our lives. But that happened. And then my stepmom went through early menopause when she was 36. And I didn't even know that was a possibility. So these yeah. things kind of just put the idea of fertility on my radar. Um, but the real tipping point for me was I was in a new relationship with someone younger than me. And we weren't aligned on our timeline for having kids. And so I started doing the dating math. And it's like, okay, you know, if I need to have kids by the time I'm 35, then I need to be with the person for three years and you need to be in love for a couple of years. I need to date for you. I need to break up with my boyfriend like yesterday, you know, and go find somebody else. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he wasn't doing that math. And it didn't seem right that I had to plan my life around these reproductive timelines, um, but he didn't. And I had, um, this, that was the impetus for me to start going and finding answers. And so I tried to find information about my options and I spent hours on the internet, didn't find anything. There, re there really was nothing out there. There was scattered literature. Um, you know, I had to call my doctor, have her refer me to a clinic, uh, a fertility clinic, just to start understanding my body and what my options were. I was lucky to have a doctor who was supportive, but I've heard mm. horror stories from my friends who have gone and, and members of Lily who have gone to their doctors who have told them, you know what, you're better off to just go find a husband and have a baby now. Like, don't yeah. worry about it. What abuse, um, medical abuse. <laughs> Remarkable. Well, and unfortunately, fortunately, most physicians don't have that mindset, but it just, we, I realized women need easier access to their options and information about their bodies. And so I eventually, after going down this path, you know, I saw egg freezing, I, would call, I call it egg securing because that's really how it feels, but I realized it made a lot of sense for me. You know, I didn't want to have kids now. I'm 29. I, um, and it just, it, I was like, this is, this makes a lot of sense. If I wanted to have kids later, if I wanted two, three, and four babies, you know, I could use these for the last ones. It just really preserved my optionality. So uh, after I secured my eggs at the end of last year, I felt this like freedom. It was this, it's this power and peace of mind. And I was like, is this a guy's feel just walking around? Like, <laughs> just do whatever they want, you know? Yeah. Um, that's an incredible <laughs> analogy. Absolutely. Or I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The deduction and, is so true. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, and that's why I, I threw the, this big party to celebrate, you know, it's like we celebrate women when they get engaged and married and pregnant. And 
here I was having made the most, you know, radical investment of self-love and self-care I, I ever had in my life. And I wanted to celebrate it with my friends. So all that to say, you know, this is, this is really the future that I see is one where this is the new normal where women, you know, I think we can graduate university and secure our eggs as the symbolic moment of entering womanhood and celebrate with a party and, and just have kind of all the options open to us. Um, and at very least, one where women can easily explore all of their fertility options and make an uh, informed decision. Absolutely. And, um, and to have options open, I think it's incredibly important. There's still a stigma and I, I'm not sure I haven't done polling of great length, but everyone I speak to, and they're fairly, you know, liberal, educated individuals. Um, everyone is under this uh, impression that egg freezing should happen around 40, you know, and the discussion of early onset menopause, like you said, you had with your stepmother, issues of disease that come up later on that cause, um, uh, you know, a high rate of sterility and things of that nature. There's so many um, possibilities out there that could come up. The idea that it's just for this much, much more matriculated female body who is out of options or time is, it's a, it's a weird stereotype that disservices women in the education of, um, you know, egg fertile uh, or egg freezing and things of that nature. And so I think it's really crucial to open and expand that dialogue. Exactly. You can't see me, but I'm nodding <laughs> yeah. because that's what I realized is we've, we've kind of sold people egg freezing all wrong. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. it's not something that's, that you should do that you should only do in, in your late 30s if you haven't met somebody yet you know as a last option i hear women you know i'll talk to them about it and they're like oh but what if i meet somebody and i say girl you're gonna meet somebody you're amazing <laughs> and, yeah. and when you do you don't have to rush your timeline um or have them sign this contract that you're gonna have kids in the next year i think it's it, it's also more just it's about more than my fertility it's about my life and what yeah. options are available to me and what I, what I can plan for um, and just having a bit more control. And the thing about egg securing is what we know is it works better the sooner you do it. So in mm. fact, waiting until your late thirties um, is not necessarily the best time to do it. It's actually much earlier. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really important point. I think also it's, it's important that society has forced this rhetoric, you know, this, um, the concept that, and, and I love half of it as, as a staunch third generation feminist, I am down mm. with all of this, um, but we have women in the workforce. We have the actual requirement and need for, you know, um, two breadwinner families in the, even if, you know, the nuclear American family, which doesn't even exist anymore, but this need for both parents to be working is is absolutely commanded right now by our economic environment and so you you require these careers and things like that that have shifted the requirements of our grandmothers who may or may mm -hmm. not have even wanted to you know follow that guideline but it it becomes something that the dialogue should have been brought up naturally anyway to sustain the you know the economic requirement of two two individuals working per household it requires that it, parenthood and the timeline for that become wildly flexible Mm -hmm. And not just take take place in this twenty um, year old body or whatever like that, which may not even be socio emotionally recommend, uh, recommended anymore. Anyway, I want to well, get into what, you know what we're seeing. Because I think like what we're seeing is it's it's yeah the times have shifted and our systems haven't really kept up with it. Our mm -hmm. systems are still designed to be very reactive. To your point, come in you know later when you have a problem, and I think that contributes to the stigma. Is this is something you only do if there's a problem. And what I would say is like, this is something to consider really seriously proactively. Um, so you don't run into any kind of issue later. And yeah, it's women, it's women working, it's women wanting to travel, it's women wanting to create, yeah. it's women wanting to not settle in the relationships and really hold out for the right person. Um, all these things have changed, have changed and knowing what your options are and, and what's true about your body arms women with information to make the best choices for themselves. And there it is, the word choice. Like it's just yeah. increasing more choice over one's future, you know. Mm -hmm. If someone had to dictate um, when and which car you bought, I think everyone would be up in arms, you know, and it's something so superficial as that <laughs> seems. It's like none of us sit very well, at least in this country, with that kind of a communistic taking freedom away uh, lifestyle. I want to get some of the fundamentals out of the way. Um, like I want to know when you launched if you had founders and did you take funding? Oh yeah. 
So Lilia, uh, I got started in 2019. Uh, the focus on egg securing really uh, emerged early 2020. Um, as I started to realize that women needed, you know, support as their journey uh, evolved. So what I mean by that is like, you know, Lily was really meant to be this place where women could explore their options in this trustworthy, you know, low commitment way, and their needs would change from information to action to support. And I realized there was this huge pent up demand for egg freezing that people just, you know, women Women have wanted to do this for years, and what they tell me is, I just don't know what to do, where to go, how to start. And so, as that became uh, more and more of an issue on our calls, that's when we really started to focus on that this year. Okay, that's where the concierge moment kind exactly, of exactly. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. And then, what about uh, funding? Did you take yeah. any funding? Okay. We have. Yeah, we've raised about a million and a half. Um, nice. Yeah, it's funny, you know. So, I think our fundraising journey has been pretty atypical. Um, the first little bit of money we took, you know, it, we raised about half a million in a few weeks. We had no product, no site, no deck or anything yet. Um, and then we just finished Y Combinator's recent batch, um, the Corona batch, I guess we're called. And so fundraising amid, you know, the panic of the coronavirus was certainly unique. Um, but yeah, did you go to San Francisco for the, or San yeah. Jose or wherever they still host those? For San everyone Francisco, listening, right. Y Combinator is this kind of accelerator started in Silicon Valley. It's one of the most famous ones and um, it's an arduous um, application process and there's a huge, the competitive nature of it. I can't remember last mm -hmm. time I looked, they had like 10,000 applicants. They take yeah. a very small handful and um, it's this boot camp, if you will, where you go through and um, kind of... The, the, the matriculation process of um, from ideation usually until a much more graduated standpoint. And then like people at the pitches, at the final graduation pitches, there's been famously like Ashton Kutcher and I, I'm not a huge fan, but I'm just saying Hollywood's <laughs> elite and people of that, yeah, yeah. especially like the VC royalty all attend. Yeah. And um, it's this great opportunity and business moment. So, and I, maybe is, I've, yeah. I've, I've kind of diluted what your experience was, but I just wanted to offer that out there for everyone listening. Um, and that's amazing that you went through that mm -hmm. whole process. So this year, that, that is curious, really quickly, a tangent. Um, mm -hmm. How was the pitch uh, fest during that? Yeah, so you, you nailed it. Y Combinator is um, kind of the premier um, entrepreneurship group uh, in the world. They, they take applications, they only accept 1%. And um, what the value I derived from Y Combinator was, I would say a couple things. One, it had us be much more ambitious. You know, this wasn't any longer just about helping women get a fertility hormone test. This is about galvanizing a generation of women um, to, to know their options and, you know, secure, secure their eggs so that they could do whatever they wanted. Um, two, it had us talk to users nonstop. So I'm always on the phone with women, like asking them about their lives and what's hard and how we can solve their problems. And then in terms of the pitch, you know, I would say um, <laughs> I certainly was disappointed to have not been able to get up on stage, right? Like I, yeah. I have many, many weaknesses, but one of my strengths is the stage. And so I was really looking forward to that. Um, on the flip side, because we did a lot of our fundraising remote, all of it remote, actually, we were able to pack way more investor meetings into a day. And Lily is very lucky. We're at a space where there's a ton of interest, right? So we had a lot of inbound interest, people who were really excited about it uh, and raised from some incredible investors I'm excited to work with. Nice. That's awesome. So you, you, did you just wrap that this last like couple of months? Yeah. In the last couple of months. That's right. Perfect. That's an exciting place to be at actually. And I mean, obviously it it's such a pertinent, your company is so vital, you know, that it's represented mm -hmm. in Thank this you. like early seed or whatever you're calling this 1.5 million, um, series eight. And I'm not sure what round you you're yep, on or seed, if you're round. seed round. Um, so I think that, that all of that is super exciting. I'm curious with, um, I kind of want to unpack more about uh, the services and what you do and the populations we've gotten into. It's not just for, you know, the 39 year old and no egg securing platform should be. And I also want to touch on that really quickly. Um, I, and I might, I may be um, being crass. Like do, do people no longer say egg freezing? Is it egg securing? Is that the better term for it? Or is it <laughs> that term? is literally just a term I made up. Um, I like so it. People <laughs> bring it out you. there. No, I really do. Yeah, put it out there. Very, 
weird about, and they don't, I mean, the freezing process is not necessarily, it does get frozen, but it's, it is securing the vitality yeah, of the egg. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's that. funny. My, my family actually prompted me. I was describing to them what I do over Christmas dinner. I'm still not sure they know. Um, and they're like, why do you say egg freezing? Like, why are you so literal? And I think they're right, you know, and what it yeah. felt like was egg securing, you know, I felt securing my future. One, you know, one thing I want to be explicit about is in no way is it a hundred percent guaranteed, but we right. know the sooner you do it and the more eggs you're able to retrieve, the higher your chances are of success. And that's why I think it's an important message to get out to women who are in their twenties and early thirties. Yeah. Um, I do and too. So, so, so with yeah, your egg securing, let's go with it. Yeah. Well, let's put it out there over and over and over. I'll say it a million times. So with the egg <laughs> securing process, um, yeah. when, when you have a client, I kind of want to get into the functionality now of sure. Lilia. So let's say um, I come to you tomorrow and I am a mm, 29 year old mm -hmm. and I'm interested in doing it. What's the first step that Lilia is going to walk me through? Yeah. So the first step would be um, most likely you would let us know kind of where you're at, right? Have you thought of this before? What are you thinking you might want kids? Kind of where are you at? And we'll start with a call. And what I find is a lot of women just kind of want to hear from someone who's gone through it before. And um, it's more of an, an emotional support at the very beginning than anything else. And so Lilia's intention is to be one place for women who don't want kids now to access everything they need along their fertility planning journey, starting with egg freezing. So we provide you research and guidance, and we make it easy for women to explore these options and decide whether freezing their eggs is for them or not. And then we support those who move forward. Um, so our stance is, you know, whatever decision you make is cool. You know, we yeah. don't have a vested interest in you securing your eggs. What's important is that you have all of the information to make that decision because we trust you're going to make the right call for yourself. Right. So, so the first step is education and yeah. given personal information. And then if someone does want to move forward, do you accompany them on the next step? Do you refer them? Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, uh, once you kind of have an idea of how this works, you know, you have some information, uh, then instead of spending hours on the phone with clinics and insurance providers and figuring out yeah. where to go and you know, kind of how this works, we book you in with a vetted clinic fast. With many of our clinic partners, we save you 10% on the cost. We've kind of negotiated. Nice. Um, yeah, cost savings for our members. And then we give you a custom price quote based on your insurance and we're your trusted point person along the way. So, you know, you end up with a clear expectation on what the costs are at a couple different clinics in your area. Um, you save some money, which doctors might be good for you. We outline all of the science that, you know, is available to date both for and against, you know, um, mm -hmm. lay out the process, what to expect, and then book your appointment for you. That's so genius. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one-stop shopping because I think those areas, it, I, I equate it to adoption, which is ironic because it's in that same universe, but mm. there's so many different agents, you know, that have sub-agents and sub-agents because there's so many different steps and mm -hmm. to not understand the price going in or the different agencies yeah. or the, it's, it seems like a daunting task that you could kind of just go with whomever your, you know, your Google search pulled up first, yeah. this concept yeah. of not being educated along the way and given different options. Um, are you, is your database or um, the, the website, is this international at this point? You're in Canada, is your company in Canada and the United States? Are you going to go global at that point? I mean, that's where it kind of reaches to me. Like, how are you getting people in mm -hmm. Wisconsin as opposed to LA? Yeah, so right now we're serving San Francisco and Toronto. Um, we've had a couple customers in LA, but um, that's where we're focused right now. We have every intention of being a globally defining, you know, women's health and uh, lifestyle company. Yeah. And so, uh, but you know, you got to start somewhere and we're really focused on doing a really thorough and incredible job such that, you know, if you think about securing your eggs, there's just nowhere better for you to go than Lilia because one, we have relationships with the top clinics. Two, you're going to be joining a community of women who have kind of been where you're at. And three, you know, we gather all of the data we can on each clinic and then layer on top of that reviews from our members who go through. And so um, we really want to be the, the just no brainer place for you to go if you start thinking of this path. Yeah, that was my next question is, um, are you going to be taking like feedback from people have, who have gone through the system to find perhaps clinics that were like, yeah 
better than others or ones that were worse for certain reasons? Yeah. Like, are you going to modify your recommendations and people that you work with based on those algorithms? Oh, absolutely. And our commitment is to incredible care and options for our Lilia members. You know, if we partner with a clinic who uh, ends up not delivering just a superlative level of care, um, we'll have no intention of, of connecting women with that place again. You know, I think um, it's time that in this space, consumers held more power and women had more yeah. power. Um, because a lot of times we're kind of just left at the, um, you know, at the, at the hands of Google or Yelp or that one place we heard our coworker sister went. And yeah, it's um, true. I mean, it's particularly yeah. in these areas, I think that leaving it to Yelp is um, absolutely terrifying, you know, right. just, especially given how much Yelp is wrong these days. I love yeah. those cats that developed it, but I just don't think there's enough vetting within that own system. Yeah. And the other thing I found was there wasn't really places for me as a woman who was in my 20s and didn't want kids now to yeah. go. A lot of the reviews I was seeing on clinics were from women who were doing IVF. And someone who's trying to get pregnant right now um, is just not in the same emotional place as I yeah. am who's not. You know, it's, it's a real, it's another level of, um, you know, emotional support required. And so we just have different experiences. Yeah. And that drops me into my next question, because when I read something like this, um, and I probably talk far too much to um, influencers and micro-influencers on a daily basis, but my <laughs> next question is, is, do you have a platform for community? So that women who are choosing to do this, like this kind of social space where they can have a chat or yeah. a dialogue online and share experiences or garner yes. information from one another? Absolutely, we do. So um, every once you become a Lilia member, we have this exclusive Slack group of other Lilia members where people can lean on each other and ask questions. And well, sometimes end up talking about things outside of even like securing and asking career advice or you know relationship advice. Um, but I think that's an important part of it because a lot of people just don't know someone who's done it or don't know that they know someone. When I yeah. secured my eggs, I learned three of my friends had done so as well. And we just didn't talk about it. And so um, it's a big part of normalizing this, yeah. being able to take up space and, and share our experiences. Absolutely. I agree. To that end, I want to know what you think in your, um, in your opinion is the most misperceived concept around securing your eggs. You know, what is the, the number one thing where, you know, from intelligent to naive individuals are coming from where it's just a complete, it's not even opposite. It's just, it's inaccurate or unknown. Mm. I would say just the idea that it's not something you need to really think about until you're 35. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's, it, that certainly is an option. Like you certainly could do that. Uh, what we know though about the science, and I didn't know this until I started reading the medical journals was that egg securing works the sooner you do it. And that's because it's a numbers game, right? So, you know, you'll collect a certain amount of eggs. Some of those will survive being thawed. Some of those will survive fertilization. Some will survive implantation. And so you want a high number of high quality eggs and your best chances for that are in your twenties and early thirties. How soon can you start it? Is it 21? Is there a legal parameter? Is it just a biological? Is it based on self-biology? So it depends on your age mm, and your body? Good question. You know, I, I don't know whether there's a legal limit, um, but I do know that everybody is ovarian reserve. So how many eggs we have for our age basically um, diminishes at different rates. You know, so my stepmom who went into early menopause at 36 would have had a different ovarian reserve had she done this testing at 29 than I did. I learned I had something called PCO, um, super common. One in 10 women has this. And what it means is my, I ovulate at an irregular uh, cycle because I've been on birth control forever. This is TMI now, um, but I didn't know this. And so if I had gone to go and get pregnant, I would it would have been hard to time. And I just never would have known. It also means yeah. I have really high ovarian reserves. So I have a lot of eggs, which made me a good candidate for egg security. Well, yeah, and it's not TMI. That's information we need. You know, women who are, I know so many women who have been on a form of birth control, including the pill um, and more of a chemical interaction for over 20 years that haven't had a dialogue with their gynecologist mm -hmm. over it. And I'm like, you need to have that conversation. Yeah, you know, they're, they're looking totally. at more relationships between 
those things and other um, like sub side effects, not even diseases and scary things, but just things that are kind of interacting with the way that you behave as you grow. You don't stay, your relationship with birth control as a woman does not stay the same. It mm. changes as do our bodies over time. Our bodies aren't the same from 20 to 50 until we hit menopause or whatever that age is. That's right. They you continue just hit on something really this. important, right? Like fertility mm. is not static and it is not binary. It changes over our lives. Um, yeah. And I would point to the other common misconception that I, again, I didn't realize until I started looking into this was securing your eggs does not diminish your ovarian reserve or decrease the number of eggs you have. So some people think, okay, if I secure that's eggs, one I have to get pregnant, okay. right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's not true. And that's because, um, and, and full disclosure, I am not a fertility doctor. Like I am not giving any kind of medical advice, right. but the way I understand it is, um, you know, each month a whole crew of eggs is, is released, I guess, in our body. And one is chosen to go and be fertilized and the rest just die off inside of our bodies. And so with egg securing, you're basically going and, and, uh, saving those eggs that would have died anyway. And so you're actually not at a net loss should you secure them. Yeah. And I kind of want to, while it seems um, maybe rudimentary, I, I do want to just cover really quickly that the difference between um, securing your eggs as opposed to um, creating um, uh, like people who are going through in vitro fertilization, mm, yeah. the differences in those processes. Can you just kind of map out what you would tell yes. someone who came to you not knowing the difference between IVF, which has been a really famous name for the past yeah. decade, and what egg securing is? Yeah, so totally. So there's, there's actually basically three options we usually talk to people about. So one is securing your eggs. Um, and actually all of these, pro all three processes start out the same where you stimulate your body with hormones so that your ovaries will continue to grow these eggs that would have died anyway, and then they're retrieved. The whole process, by the way, is only about 10 to 14 days, which I didn't realize until I started. 10 to 14 days, mm -hmm. yeah. So you grow, these, you grow your little eggies. Once they're ready, you retrieve them. With egg securing, you'll secure those eggs. So say you retrieve 20 eggs, uh, 15 are good to be secured and frozen, then your eggs are secured. Another option is embryo freezing. So that's when you retrieve the eggs, you fertilize them with sperm, they go through genetic testing, and then you freeze them. The final um, procedure is uh, IVF, right? So that's when you retrieve the eggs, you create embryos, so you fertilize them with sperm, you genetically test them, and then you implant them right away. So into the uterus. So that's for someone who's trying to get pregnant right now. And the main difference is with egg securing, I'm not looking to have those, an egg or an embryo implanted to have a baby now. Whereas when you typically hear people going through IVF, they usually are. Yeah. Does that distinction make sense? Absolutely. Do you, have you ever run into clients? I'm interested in um, people that would have um, egg securing and then um, embryo securing um, done separately. Mm. You know, I think that there's different ways of when you really talk about planning and things like yeah. that, it's, it's an interesting aspect. Yeah. So the one thing I would say to people, I considered embryo freezing actually and decided on egg, uh, egg freezing because with embryo freezing, the good part is you fertilize the eggs. So it's a bit sturdier. It goes through genetic testing. And so you kind of have a better idea of what's going to come out on the other side. That said with embryos, you are tied to that person you you secured your embryo with, right? So right. if yeah. I freeze it with my my partner now, and you know something happens and we don't, we're not together in a few years, I can't use those without his permission, right? And I don't think he's going to give me his permission. And in that case, whereas with yeah. securing eggs, you have less visibility into how many are going to turn into a live baby on the other end, but they're yours no matter what, right? Um, and something I tell people who are in a relationship too, you know, people think some egg securing is just for single women. People who are in relationships can absolutely benefit from this as well, right? You know, my partner was super supportive of me securing my eggs. Um, they're mine to use or they're ours to use later on. Mm -hmm. And so um, those are kind of the things to weigh. Absolutely. So I'm wondering um, what kind of a model is your, is Lilia um, based on with a financial structure? Is there a subscription? Mm -hmm. Is it, you know, per um, phase, per the education mm -hmm. advisement phase, then the next phase, mm -hmm. how does it all break down for your customer? Yeah. 
So right now we have, it's an annual membership of $500. And to be totally honest, by the time this airs or maybe the next time we chat, uh, I wonder if we'll have a different model just because I'm experimenting with them right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. What I'm learning is, you know, people are telling us that they think $500 isn't enough and we should charge more, which is a hilarious thing to hear from your customers. Um, but I think there are probably a bunch of different models that could work. I'm excited to explore them. But today it's you join Lilia for $500. We take you through to doing your consultation where you'll learn more about your body and chat with a fertility doctor and you join the community and we're your support along the way. Nice. And have you found, I don't know if you've Googled the, you know, the amount that the internet would, would proffer up as to what someone mm -hmm. would spend, but all of the women I talk to, particularly younger women that have this conversation with themselves, um, few and far between as they are, talk about it being like their idea of floating in their head is that it's tens of thousands of dollars mm -hmm. in order to get to the egg um, uh, securing position. Can you kind of, first of all, can you um, advise as to whether or not the quick Google search has the numbers that you have or that you have a general um, range from, and can you drop some numbers for us? Absolutely. So egg securing, you're looking at about $10,000, give or take a couple of thousand. Mm -hmm. And I think people often think it's much more because they hear of people doing IVF or having to do many, many cycles to try right. and get pregnancy. When you're securing your eggs, usually you're doing one cycle, maybe two to get the number of eggs you want. Um, and so that's about around 10,000. Some clinics will have financing options. Um, you know, I uh, used some of my personal line of credit that I just happened to have um, to just help myself spread out payments a bit. There are actually a lot of ways to kind of make it happen. Um, and the way I thought about it was, <laughs> you know, okay, what have I spent $10,000 in my life? You know, probably some pretty silly things. And, um, you know, especially right now while we're all kind of in quarantine, there are a lot of trips and vacations that have been canceled. Yeah. And I think what I've been hearing from women is, okay, I'm not going to Europe. Um, instead, I'm going to invest in myself this way. Yeah. Are there financing options? Are you starting to connect your customers with loan opportunities and things of that nature? Or do those even exist yet? Yeah, yeah. That is something we do for our Lilia members. So we'll break down at the clinics that we're advising to them whether there are financing options and how we might connect them. Um, to to that optionality yeah there's also yeah. GoFundMe for those who are you know even totally. more up the hill and i think yeah. that there should be a banking opportunity there banks we need to get financial people more invested mm -hmm. in in women's this is about the proliferation of our species you know this yeah. is about susan getting pregnant this is about like <laughs> continuing on with humanity and i think our financial system should care about that you heard yeah. it and i mean we do susan we want you to get pregnant and i think yeah. we should have employers offer this as a benefit and um, absolutely government subsidized you know this is something that's really important to so women having the same reproductive optionality as men it really is the best equalizer reproductive equalizer we have right now yeah family planning absolutely mm. and and then and life planning right like it just it affects so much yes of what i'm able to do um whether i'm able to right travel or start my company or kind of relationship i'm able to be in yeah, absolutely. And I think the government needs to start subsidizing like it does with milk and cheese that way. Um, we'd all, that. we'd have the healthiest families in the world. Um, yeah. I, so now I want to turn towards everyone's shifted a little bit with this. You're in an interesting um, infancy heading into toddler phase. Well, the, how I view, um, you know, uh, founders and, and new company yeah. startups, an exciting phase. This, you're in one of my totally favorites. But when you're looking at goals for your next step, what are your goals in the next one to three years? Mm. Yeah. So like I said, I see Lilia becoming the defining women's health company of our generation. We're currently in Toronto and San Francisco. Like I mentioned, certainly by the end of that time, we would like us to be expanded across North America and helping women do more than just navigate the beginning of the process. Like Lilia's bread and butter is really, let's get you the information. Let's help you take a next step to give you some emotional support. Once women start securing their eggs though, that's a whole process that uh, they can really have, uh, really use some help with. So those are kind of like the tactical things. Um, when I think about our greater goal though, if that's interesting to you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think it's, it's success to me would look like women having the same options as men in this way, you know? Mm -hmm. Like I said, I think 
egg securing is the, is the best reproductive equalizer we have right now. And certainly we want to see other things like, you know, better paternity and maternity leave. Like these things are important as well. But I think, you know, in the same way that birth control liberated women sexually, egg freezing can be the catalyst to reproductive liberation. And I think eventually we will see it become as common as, as birth control. And so um, I hope to see this world where, you know, parents are gifting their daughters egg securing upon graduation and we're seeing these parties come up and, um, you know, women are just are going into their, their careers and their lives feeling unobstructed. Absolutely. And it's funny because even as we have the dialogue about the necessity and the population it serves and everything else, I hadn't done the, you know, the domino effect, but it, right. it is absolutely as powerful as, um, as birth control because it's dealing with giving choice back, you mm -hmm. know, and, and opportunity back where it may not be needed, but might be needed and, and service someone's life in the same way that, you know, a, a college fund would. And so when you talk about high school graduation, I have two daughters. And as we started off, I thought, I really want to gift them this. You know, I, I think it's like incredibly important to be able to provide my children with options. Later on, I try not to pick what they're actually going to do, but just make sure as every loving parent across this right. globe does, that opportunity is provided when I can provide it. Exactly. And so, and I should clarify, you know, uh, college is probably a, a better graduation. Yeah, right. I guess. But, um, and, and you know, if I may, you get me excited saying this because I feel a, a little bit uh, quixotic when I imagine the domino effect, um, mm. but I can't help myself think of the magic this, this could do. You know, what if, if women could do whatever they wanted in their 20s and 30s and weren't banned for reproductive timelines, like, you know, what if we could, this could help close the wage gap as women could continue working into their childhood? Right. Those what are the socioeconomic could, right? like, ripples. Yes, that yeah. I, I, I just kind of flutter with thinking about pay parity, like things. Pay parity, like what if we could have more like women starting change. companies and, mm -hmm. you know, then we would have more successful female entrepreneurs and yeah. as a result, more VCs and that would lead more female entrepreneurs to being funded and, yeah, you know what, what? All these what ifs start rattling off in my mind, and so I think you know Lily really can catalyze this next great equalizer. I do too, and I mean, and eventually, you know, on um, funding round G, like getting a fund going <laughs> for um, under socioeconomic, you know, duress individuals, mm -hmm. so that it's an egalitarian, it's an equal mm -hmm. opportunity moment for those who want it. You know, getting into subsidization and things like that. It absolutely would have the most um, loud ripple effect, I can imagine. Mm -hmm. And so Love it's that. exciting to think about. I'm wondering, because you've had such a, like, I, I really feel like this is like a, one of the top 0.01% of success stories with a, a foundership. And I think that those always come from people who come up with their idea very much so based on a personal legacy like you mm -hmm. did. And, um, and, and when those two things match up with like a, a a current societal need, it's gold, you know, mm. that and like hitting YC. I think those are the two places <laughs> where like you're going to go. But um, I'm wondering that included and aside, um, if someone came up to you who was like, listen, I have this idea. It deals with women's issues and I'm going to found this company. And it was another woman or female identified or non-binary individual, anyone other than like the white cisgendered male. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this individual walked up to you and said, um, I've got this idea. It, it's something that came from something that affected me. And um, I'm just getting started. At, what are the top three pieces of advice you would give that individual knowing what you know now? Hmm. Well, I think you nailed it when you said, you know, great businesses are started from people solving their own problems. And so that would probably be the first piece of advice is look around in your life. What annoys you every day or every week? Um, what's, a, what's a problem that you have? And if you just start there, you're so far ahead. A whole bunch of people who are trying to solve a problem they don't understand for a user they don't really get. Mm -hmm. And um, in that same vein, I would say something Lily has really benefited from is talking to our users nonstop, right? Even though I am our user and our target demo, I am not naive, so naive to think I know everything about what we should build and exactly how it should be. Um, I obsess about solving people's, like other women's problems because, yeah. um, and, and I think it led to us deeply understanding our users and the problem we're solving and being able to speak to them in a much more impactful way. 
Um, so that's kind of one, solve your own problem and talk to people about their problems. And, and, and also really listen to what they're saying. There was a while where women were telling me what their problem was and I just wasn't listening. I was like, no, 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 no your problem's this. Right. <laughs> um, so really listen to what they say. Um, I, another thing I have found helpful for me, and I think this is particularly important for women who identify as such, is I guess acknowledging, respecting, and silencing your inner saboteur. Um, hmm. And I do that by creating a more powerful alter ego. So, you know, my inner saboteur tells me things like, you know, who do I think I am starting this company? Like, I don't know anything. This is not going to work. Here are all the reasons your ideas are absolute shit. Like, you know, you can't do this. Yeah. We've all got it, you know, just yeah. running off and when that beats me up and puts me into bed. And what I learned is your, your inner saboteur, this is, it comes from the part of your brain called your amygdala, which is like our reptilian brain. Um, and it's just trying to, trying to protect you. You know, it sees danger, it sees risk, and it wants to keep you alive. And so it tries to prevent you from doing anything uncomfortable. And so what I say is, you know, thank you. I see you. You're trying to protect me. Um, but fear doesn't run the show. And so I, I created this kind of alter ego. Her name is Alisi. So it's like Alyssa and Khaleesi. Mm-hmm. And she is the woman I want to be. You know, she is fierce and powerful and she, nobody stops her. She does whatever the fuck she wants. Yeah. Um, she gets it done. And so when I, when my inner saboteur is coming at me, I channel Alisi. I'm like, what would she do? And I, I try to be her. Yeah. That's brilliant. I love it. The inner saboteur I haven't heard before, and I'm absolutely going to drop that in the next couple. Oh of yeah, do it. I got it from RuPaul. Yeah, yeah. So oh, I, did I, you? I'm so obsessed with RuPaul. I am too. And um, yeah, he, 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 she t- talks about your inner saboteur, and you see it, you know. I, and just naming it has helped a lot. I see you. I know what you're trying to do. I love you. Thank you. You don't run the show. Well, and that's the thing. I think a lot of women talk about, I hear a lot, it's particularly in the entrepreneurial circuit, mm-hmm. um, at conventions and places that I'm speaking, people talk about the imposter syndrome. And I have been privileged and um, enough to never have experienced that. Mm-hmm. And so I don't identify, it alienates me. I feel like I can't mm-hmm. relate or speak to p- women who are, are speaking about it. I respect it and I want to mm-hmm practice empathy, but I don't have this camaraderie. And inner yeah. saboteur covers more than that. And that actually mm. covers me. Like inner saboteur yeah. is like, it's not just imposter syndrome. It's yeah. anything that kind of is hindering you. It's those yeah. thoughts that are like preventing you in a safe mechanism, which thank yeah. God our, our bodies <laughs> and lives are set up to do, or we'd be dead as a species. Mm. Um, you know, the idea that you don't go running into fire, like these, these right. ideas. Exactly. So, um, yeah, that's I, right. I, I like the same voice that tells that. you like, you can't run through fire right. that tells you, you can't start this business. Yeah. It's the same person. Yeah. Yeah. And we just, we have a higher level of brain. So we've you know been yeah. able to differentiate, but yeah. I do love the idea of acknowledging it and, and, and thanking it as well. This concept of, we frequently talk in entrepreneurship circles about like, you just got to beat that down, like mm-hmm. say no, bite it, push it aside, do it away. But it doesn't really help. You know, what we've help. learned about the human psychological brain is like, you actually have to work through those things. Yeah. And yeah, so acknowledging it and doing that and, and then relabeling it as inner saboteur is yeah. inclusive. Like I'm just, yeah. feel so many of your little terms and I love that. Please, please um, so do you have a third or did, was your, did you start with your first as, um, great oh. as it starts with? Yeah. My third piece of advice, I think it would be to, and this, it, I hesitate because this feels like trite advice, but I know that I have benefited every time I have pushed myself and done something that scared me. You know, if I think of all of the inflection points of my career that catapulted me to the next level, it was every time I thought, what? the fuck am I doing? Yeah. Right. Like I remember my, my last day at my last startup before Lilia, I remember sitting there being like, what the hell am I doing? Like I'm leaving this super cushy job. I make a ton of money. Like I'm killing it. And I'm going to go and make zero salary. I didn't have fundraising at that point to go and chase this, this problem I, I thought needed solving. And those are the moments. Every time I felt that the other side was something incredible. Absolutely. And so that said, you know, I did things beforehand to set myself up. You know, I, I changed my lifestyle. 
knowing I wanted to start a company again. So I stopped, you know, buying champagne every weekend and like going out to dinner. I started trying to challenge myself to live like a founder. And that gave me the financial you know, security to be able to float myself for a few months. So prepare for the risks, but really take them. Um, actually, a bonus fourth, I would say. Yeah. I have benefited from reading voraciously. Um, a couple of years ago, I set out to read 52 books in a year. And I did. And it, it, like that and starting a company are, are the ways I've learned the, the most and the fastest. Um, it's such a good deal if you can learn somebody else's story for, you know, $20. Um, it really has expanded the way I think about, you know, not just life problems, but the, comp the company's uh, opportunities. Yep. I completely agree. And I, I think that that is an effort to what a lot of our audience members are gleaning from these, you know, people think that it's just sharing stories, but I think people are garnering so much information about mm -hmm. pitfalls and successes. And that's why I always end with these advice pieces because mm -hmm. it's astonishing what advice we actually have. You know, mm -hmm. and it kind of requires someone to ask us and um, mm -hmm. we, we tend to want to look for advice somewhere else. And frequently we have advice that we ourselves need to like revisit. Oh, and isn't that always the advice you need? Yeah. The advice you would give to someone else is like exactly the advice you need to give yourself. Yeah, it's therapy, right? It's, it's, yeah. it's normal person's therapy um, that you frequently receive when you go to speak with anybody who's helping you in the social psychology field is just what was in within you just removing those blockages mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely okay so i have um number one talk to your users non-stop and listen um okay. number two um acknowledge your inner saboteur um thank it and then create an alter ego to combat and respond and uh, number three, push through um, and into the fear that you have um, mm -hmm. with uh, all of the knowledge that you have. And number four, read voraciously. I love well that. Well said. That, that, that yeah. is well said there by you. I know. Yeah, but you, like, you put them so, so very well, very succinctly. Very Thank clear. you. Thank you for that. <laughs> I love it so much. Well, we're out of time today, Alyssa, but I just want to say um, I love your company. I want to see it become what your goal is you know, the next um, really premier women's health and, and focus company in um, the world. And so I hope and I, I support you in that endeavor. And I want to say thank you so much for your time today. Oh, thank you. This is absolutely wonderful. I feel like you and I could just sit here and chat for hours. Absolutely. We could. We could. It would be my pleasure as well. <laughs> for everyone listening, we have been speaking to Alyssa Atkins. She's the founder and CEO of Lilia which is an egg freezing concierge. You can find out more um, on www.hellolilia.com. And until we speak again next time, stay in, stay well, stay safe, and remember to always bet on yourself. Sancho.